0: Uh, good morning, everybody. Um, it's lovely to see. Uh, for some of us, we'll remember Andre, Geraldine, Megan, and Maya. I, I remember them when they were very, very small. Andre, how? When was? When were you? I about seven, eight years ago. seven or eight years ago. Um, Andre um, is a consultant neurologist. Are you still a consultant neurologist over there? And he he won't know this, but I often quote Andre even now, because I remember, Andre, you saying, either at the front here or in a conversation that we had, that uh, as a consultant urologist, every day you find out something new about the brain that makes you realise how much you don't know about the brain. Um, so welcome all, all the way from South Africa. Some of our uh, family are in South Africa uh, as we speak, so it's good to see you here. I wonder, uh, Bruce, if you can have, we can have... Now, someone um, challenged me to get some football into today's sermon, um, and so I thought I would try, and so this is a bit of a tenuous link, but it's still a link. Um, this is Gareth Southgate, uh, when he had missed a penalty uh, in the all-important uh, game against Germany in the Euro 1996. Uh, I don't know whether you ever remember that. He, he, Yes, you do, yes. He missed it and then he walked back rather forlorn. And um, the, the manager of the day, Terry Venables there, was trying to say to him, it doesn't matter. It did matter. We were all really gutted about it. Um, <laughs> but Terry Venables was trying to, uh, you know, make him realise that it's only a game and all of those sorts of things. So we know that Gareth Southgate is now the England manager. So it was really interesting to see the England manager when we beat Columbia on penalties, not to get too excited straight away, but actually to go up to the Colombian players and try to, in a sense, um, cajole them, make them feel a little bit better even though they've just lost. And one person in the newspapers had written, here was a man who knew how it felt to miss an all-important penalty, who had been helped by his manager to get over it, who was now doing the same thing. Um, Gareth Southgate says this, I've learnt a million things from the day, the day is when he missed the penalty. The biggest thing being that when something goes wrong in your life, it doesn't finish you. Now, actually, that just link with what we're thinking about today, because we're thinking about forgiveness. And just like Terry Venables um, forgave uh, Gareth Southgate way back, in 1996, Gareth Southgate, because he had been forgiven, uh, found it easier to forgive others. And we're going to look at a parable today, so that's a story that we know that Jesus told. It was just, sometimes people say it's an earthly story with a heavenly meaning. Um, but it's a story that, that Jesus told that he wanted to give people a really clear message to about forgiveness. So as we go through this parable this morning, I want us to have a little look at the context. I want us to then think of some questions that we might want to ask ourselves. How do we should forgive? What happens if you don't forgive someone? And should we forgive someone who isn't sorry for what they have done? Should we carry on forgiving them? So let's have a little look first of all about the context, because it's really important that we get a sense of what Jesus was saying here, because all throughout what he said in terms of the parable, there was some real meanings to this. Now, Peter, who was always very enthusiastic and wanted to get the answer right, jumped in and said to Jesus, you know, about forgiving people, and uh, Peter said, oh, well, I think you should forgive them seven times. Now, I think Peter was probably thinking that he was quite clever, because, uh, Some people think in those days that what you would do is you would give people three chances and then on the fourth time you wouldn't forgive them Um, because they would look back to the book of Amos and if you look in the first few chapters of Amos you see God sort of forgiving people and on the fourth time he brings down judgment. So Peter thought probably I'm being really generous here. I'm going to say seven times because I know that really we're only supposed to give three times. And then Jesus says, actually, now, there's different ways of seeing this, but there's a lot, let's put it this way. It could be 77 or 70 times 7, which is 490. It's a pity that Jude isn't here yet uh, today, because she's very good at maths, and I was going to ask her about the next one. So, Jesus says, no, actually, you should do it far, many, many more times than 7. Many more times than 7, you should forgive somebody. And we'll dig into that a little bit more in a minute. And then in the NIV, it says 10,000 bags of gold. Um, I'm not sure I like that translation as much, because what it means is that it was it's actually, a, the Greek was 10,000 talents, and a talent was worth about 20 years of a labourer's wage. Now, all of these numbers people have tried to calculate, they, might, they, they all give you a slightly different number. Someone has worked out that in today's world, that would be 1,872 million pounds. That's a very expensive labour, isn't it? I think the point is, is that whatever we end up in terms of the calculation for what 10,000 bags of gold or uh, 10,000 talents was, it was an amount that just nobody, nobody could have paid back. It would have been an impossibility to pay back that amount. And that's really important when we understand this parable. Um, in the Aramaic lang- language, which Jesus spoke, the word for sin is the same as the word for debt. Do you remember? Sometimes we read the Lord's Prayer, and the version is, "Forgive those, forgive me my debt, and those who are debtors against me." So the word debt and sin sometimes are the same word. And then the second servant, so the man who's been forgiven, he goes out and finds somebody that owes him some money, and it talks about a hundred silver coins in our Bibles, which is a uh, and a hundred denarii, and actually, the amount of that is about one day's wage, so about a hundred days' wage. So this is really important that we understand that the magnitude of the huge amount that the first servant owed, it was an amount that you just wouldn't possibly have to be able to pay back, to, in comparison, a very small amount he, the second person that he found, had to pay to him. Someone has also done some um, sums. I don't know whether they're right. One six hundred thousandth of the amount that the first person should have given. So, Jesus tells this parable about a man who is forgiven for a huge amount of money that you would have never, ever been able to pay back. This man then goes and finds somebody that, wants to, that owes him some money, a very, very, very minute amount of money in comparison and won't forgive him. So Jesus is trying to tell the disciples, and tell us today, a meaning behind that. So what does that mean? How should we forgive? I was trying to find a picture. You, you know when you sometimes see, you give children a big bag of sweets, and then you say, oh, you're, you're going to share those, and then they put their grubby little hand in and get one out and give it to you. Um, I suppose, this is the nearest I could get to that sort of picture. I suppose what Jesus is trying to say here in this parable is, if you believe in me and you ask for forgiveness from me, I'm going to forgive everything you've ever done. And it's going to be huge. I'm just going to forgive you if you ask for forgiveness. So all I'm asking you, all this parable is telling you is that actually in return you should forgive people who, you, who don't actually owe you much. Nothing like the m- amount that you owe me for loving you and the, and the cost that it did, it did to love me. So whether or not it's like everyone here having an ice cream, a huge, lovely, beautiful, wouldn't we like one just now? A huge, lovely, big ice cream from God. And uh, he says, here we are, you can have this. And yet then, even not allowing someone just to have a little lick of our ice cream. That's the sort of thing that Jesus, that's the sort of magnitude of what Jesus is trying to get over. And, and how does that all work out in our lives? Um, I nearly started um, writing out all of the texts. So, do you remember Frank Sinatra singing this song? Love and marriage go together like... Something like that, isn't it? Yeah. Um, love and marriage... See, I could tell you now... I could tell you now, 101, probably 103, actually probably quite a few more things than that, that Trace has ever done that's wrong. You know, I could fill up between now and 12 o'clock. I could just keep going on and on and on and on. The things that she's done that irritated me, the things that she's done wrong, the things that she's done that irritated upset other people. I could just keep, actually, do you want me to start? Because if I start, I would just carry on and on and on and on and on. Sometimes she's, Said some things to me that are really hurtful, like I'm fat. Can you believe that? Um, Not anymore, thank you. Um, And sometimes, because I feel like I want to have a go at somebody, I find it really hard to forgive Trace. And what Jesus is telling us in this parable is hold on a minute, just stop have a little think in your mind. Think of all, the, all of the list of things that you have done that is wrong, all of the things that you have said that is hurtful, and I'm sure it'll be a much longer list than trace. And remember that as your Heavenly Father, I've forgiven you. I've washed that slate clean. I don't see you as that person. I see you as somebody I really love. Now do a bit of that to your wife. Just a little bit. Just treat them how I treat you. And that's the same for our friends, isn't it? We might be able to, or friends or relatives or anybody, we might be able to list in our minds all of the things that they have done that is wrong or hurtful or or, um, have said things or done things or thought things that we know that we don't like. It's very easy, isn't it, to point the finger at somebody. I know I've done it. And Jesus is just saying, you know, the finger could be pointing at you for all the things that you've said. But I've forgiven you. I've forgiven you. Why don't you try and forgive somebody like I've forgiven you? And that's what the parable is all about. It's saying the magnitude of the things that we've all done that is wrong, if we confess to Jesus, he forgives us all of them. So if someone does something that's so minute in comparison to us, why can't we be a little bit more like Jesus and forgive them? But the parable also gives us a really interesting sort of slight twist on all of this. So it says, what happens if you don't forgive? So if you don't forgive that person. And the parable says some quite strong words. So the parable says this, then the master called the servant in, this is the one that wouldn't forgive, the person that owed him some money, (coughs) then the master called the servant in, you wicked servant, he said, I cancelled all that debt of yours because you begged me to. Shouldn't you have had mercy on your fellow servant, just as I had on you? in anger his master handed him over to the jailers to be tortured until, the, until he should pay back all he owed. This is how my heavenly father will treat each of you unless you forgive your brother or sister from your heart. So that's some really strong words isn't it? Because what Jesus was saying through the parable is, okay, if you don't want to forgive anybody, when I keep forgiving you, then actually this isn't working. This isn't right. There's another verse in Matthew chapter 6 where it says this, for if you forgive other people when they sin against you, your heavenly Father will also forgive you. But if you do not forgive others their sins, your Father will not forgive your sins. Now this is a really hard thing to understand but, you know, Jesus is saying this very, very clearly to us. If we can't forgive others then almost I think what he's saying is is that we don't really understand our own forgiveness from Jesus because if we did then we would forgive people. We don't really understand how much it cost Jesus to forgive us because if we did then we'd want to be more like him and we'd want to forgive others. Tom Wright has put. Oh, nearly. Um, Tom Wright has put it like this. I think it's quite an interesting picture. He says forgiveness is more like the air in your lungs. There's only room for you to inhale the next lungful when you've just breathed out the previous one. If you insist on withholding it, refusing to give someone else the kiss of life they may desperately need, you won't be able to take any more in yourself and you will suffocate very quickly. That's a really interesting picture, isn't it? That actually our breathing is about breathing things in and breathing things out. And if all we want to do is keep receiving forgiveness from Jesus for the things that we do wrong, without forgiving anybody, anything, then actually Jesus might say, actually, do you know what, you just don't understand this, do you? You don't really have a true grasp of what forgiveness and my forgiveness means to you. So, should we forgive someone who isn't sorry for what they have done wrong? Uh, I remember when I was a head teacher, I used to get children into my office who I knew who had done something wrong, um, and they would blatantly deny it. You know, blatantly deny it. I'd see someone throw something at somebody else, and I'd say, okay, come on, up to my office. What have you just done? Nothing, Mr. Cook. Well, I just saw you throw something. Well, I didn't throw anything, Mr. Cook. Well, I just saw it. No, you didn't, Mr. Cook. Um, and it, it would take quite some time so then I'd have to walk away and think, oh well, well leave them in my office for a little bit, you know that will make them change their mind, then I come back, so I'm coming back to find, ask you what you did, what did you do in that classroom, and I think Mr Cook I was talking to someone from one on the youth group on Friday night, and she said they've got a new um, discipline structure um, if you get to level 5 I think it goes up to level 6, level 5 is two hours with the head teacher um, as one of the forms of punishment, you would have thought that you being with the it should be nice, shouldn't it, really? Not as a form of punishment. Um, but what happens when someone's really hurt us? Someone's done something to us and we want to forgive them, but actually what gets in our way is that we don't feel they're sorry at all. How can you forgive somebody who isn't sorry for what they've done to you? And it's interesting this, because in the parable it's quite clear that the two servants were sorry. The first servant, when he went to his master, said, at this, we read this, at this, servant, at this the servant fell on his knees before him, be patient with me. He begged and I will pay back everything. And what's really interesting is almost the mirror of that, those words later on in this parable when the, the servant goes out to find the person that owes him some money, what happened? That person said, here we read, his fellow servant, fell to his knees and begged him, be patient with me and I will pay it back. Almost exactly the same words. So here was this servant in this parable being let off by his master because he sat down and he, he he fell on his knees and begged and when someone did that to him, he didn't want to forgive them. In Luke chapter 17... And verses 3 to 4, we read this. If your brother or sister sins against you, rebuke them. And if they repent, forgive them. If they sinned against you seven times in a day and seven times come back to you saying, I repent, you must forgive them. And so those verses also make us feel a little bit that actually we need to re- give somebody if they're Sorry. And then this, hap- this is in Matthew chapter 18. Um, a little bit for, uh, before our, our verses um, that we've just read. And it says this, If your brother or sister sins, go out, go and point out their fault just between the two of you. So you get a bit of a sense that that's go and see them. Not write them a letter, not send them a text, Go and talk to them. If they listen to you, you've won them over. But if they will not listen, take one or two others along so that every matter may be established by the testimony of two or three witnesses. So, someone's done something to you that is really hurtful, you're struggling to forgive them, but you go and have a chat with them. And a bit like the lad in my office didn't do anything, Mr Cook, didn't do anything. I I don't see this to be a problem. And so you're still hurting and you're still struggling with this. So um, Jesus says, well actually what you need to do then is is get a couple of friends. Get a couple of friends to come and and meet you and this person because actually what they might do is they might be able to see things from both perspectives. They might be able to understand what you're feeling but they may also be able to pick up things in your in the person that's hurt you that you're because you're hurt you don't really want to see or hear and you find it difficult to And if they still refuse to listen, tell it to the church. Well, this is a bit of an interesting one because the church in that sense didn't exist then but um, Tom Wright thinks this word is probably about the assembly we know that the, the disciples would have met as groups so Jesus is almost suggesting well look you know, even if you can't sort it out with a small group get some of your other friends in try and, try and work this through and then we finish off with this really interesting bit if they still refuse to listen tell it to the church and if they refuse to listen even to the church or to a wider group of Christians treat them as you would a pagan or a tax collector Now, does that mean that we treat them as a pagan or a tax collector, that we kick them out or we think they're absolutely awful? But how did Jesus treat tax collectors? He went to their house and had dinner with them. He talked to them about himself. He kept on trying to forgive them. So I don't think the ultimate thing is that you treat them and discard them and and put them to one side. You actually still keep loving them and trying to help that person to understand what they've done. And you know what? what's really interesting? That's verses 15 to 17. And verse 18, just before the verse, the, the, the parable that we've just read, the unforgiving servant, there's this verse. For where two or three come together in my name, there I am with them now I think we need to be really sensible because sometimes um, there will be people that keep on hurting and hurting and saying things and that's not good for us and we keep trying and trying and trying and we may try with friends some close friends, we might try with some other friends and that person still doesn't stop and in those times we must be sensible we must stand back we must move away from that situation. But it shouldn't stop us from still wanting to forgive them. I um, am always uh, blown away by, although that's not the expression really, because I'm going to talk about a bombing, um, I'm, I'm uh, always overwhelmed by the story of the Enniskillen bomb. Um, do you remember that? I... I uh, when I was in Ireland a couple of, a little while ago, we went to Enniskillen. And even in Enniskillen today, you'll drive down the streets and there will be Union Jacks on, outside some houses, big Union Jacks. And then on the other side of the street, there'll be big Irish flags, even today. And the, uh, the gun turret, the police station, which looks like an army camp, out with loads and loads of barbed wire, gun turrets and all sorts of stuff, still remains there because they haven't taken it down. And uh, the bomb that happened on Remembrance Sunday in 1987, which just astounds me because I sort of think I finished my uh, training as a teacher in 1987, I was, you know, I should have known about even more about this stuff, but I, I wasn't aware as much as I should have been. Uh, thousands made their way to the memorial in the centre of Enniskillen, which is in uh, Northern Ireland, to pay their respects for the war dead. And then as they were there, a huge IRA, RA, IRA bomb exploded. Killed 11 and wounded 68. And you may remember that what happened after that was that they interviewed uh, a father who had a daughter who was a nurse. Both of them were at that event. And uh, there he is at the bottom, right, he's George Wilson, and he said this, uh, as his daughter was caught uh, badly with falling rubble and all sorts of things. She held my hand tightly and gripped me as hard as she could. She said, Daddy, I love you very much. Those were her exact words. Me and those were the last words I ever heard her say. But I bear no ill will, I bear no grudge. Dirty sort of talk is not going to bring her back to life. She was a great wee lassie, she loved her profession, she was a pet. She's dead, she's in heaven, and we shall meet again. I will pray for these men tonight and every night. There was an article much more recently um, in the Belfast um, Telegraph and this is the mother of that person who died in that terrible bombing. I think daily of Marie, that's their daughter, (coughs) what happened, but I would never want to meet the people who planted and detonated the bomb. I wonder if they're still alive and if they realize how they robbed all of us of so much. I hope they have truly repented because that's the only way they can obtain God's forgiveness. That man prayed for the people that set that bomb that killed his daughter. We might be hurt very much by some people. Jesus teaches us to forgive. Forgive isn't easy. And sometimes when people keep hurting us, we need to be away from them, not with them. But it actually, it shouldn't stop us praying for them every day, asking God to help us to forgive. And asking God to help them realise that for God's forgiveness they need to truly repent. Paul writes this in Ephesians and what lovely words. Be kind and compassionate to one another. Forgiving each other just as in Christ God forgave you. So we're all like that first servant in that parable. We've been forgiven a vast, huge amount. An amount that we could never ourselves pay back. Jesus asks us to go and forgive others in just a little way, like he forgave us.